Mission Chats with John Crow. My guest today is someone whose story I heard a few years ago, and it's it's one of those ones that will stick with you. So I'm excited for her to share it with all of us as we listen to these episodes of the podcast. So Cindy, I thank you so much for making the time to share your story with us. And I just want to let you do that. So if you'd like to just start us off, just share how God worked in your life to bring you to where you are today. Thank you, John. I appreciate being here. My story goes way back before any of what I'm doing right now got started. I was raised in a Christian family and, you know, youth group, the whole nine yards, went off to college, met my husband. We were both believers and went to a church that was very missions minded and focused on missions. A third of our budget goes towards missions and just started to feel the call of, okay, well, I feel called to missions. And just over the course of a couple of years, we ended up moving to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia to for my husband. He's a builder to build an international church and a seminary. By that time, we had three children. We stayed there for several years, came home, moved to Bolivia, where we also were working with construction projects and working with the local church, mm-hmm. challenging churches to get involved in the Great Commission, just recognizing that the bulk of the missionaries really had come out of the U.S. and the West, but areas like South America was sending so few missionaries, and they always had been the receiver of the missionaries. And it was really the turning point where now the church was becoming the sender of the missionaries. And so that's, WIC has been working with that for 30 years now of just working with pastors in a seminar called the World Impact Seminar. And it just, what does the Bible say about the role of the church in missions and why are we involved in missions and how to get started? It's very hands-on. It's kind of like a jungle version of perspectives where... You know, not so much a seminary degree required to be able to understand it. It's just for the, even if you can't read or write, you can still come to the seminar and learn. Mm -hmm. So we've just been doing that. And then in 2001, I actually was burned in an accident in our home and we are living in South America and basically almost died, had to be evacuated to the U.S., came to the Augusta Burn Center and By the time we went back and started in what was to become a two-year lengthy rehab, Mm -hmm. we were back living in Bolivia, and burn patients began to come out of the woodwork of, you know, I never met a burn patient that truly had a serious burn. I thought you just cut off the skin, wrap up the bandages, and go home. I didn't know it was just a lengthy healing process, and so... It was eye-opening for me, definitely because what I, the care I had received at the Augusta Burn Center was nothing compared to what I was seeing in the public hospital in Bolivia. And so many needs that I felt like mostly just required education, not even that much money. It was just like, okay, what I'm doing for my rehabilitation, a lot of it is just know-how and not so much money. So we just started working down in Bolivia. That was 2001. And since that time, we've had over 25,000 patients come through our clinic and we concentrate just on burn rehab and the process of nutrition and hygiene and physical therapy and counseling and all the things that go with burns. And so that's what I do. 
about 2012, started getting invitations to share what we did because for about $50 a patient, we could do a whole rehab for what cost hundreds of thousands in the U.S. And so we started sharing our program and now we work in Bolivia still. We've got our same clinic there and Tanzania, Ethiopia. We've been to China and to the Mercy Ship, to Mm. Nigeria. We work in Egypt and we work in Palestine. And so it's been really good just over the years, seeing how God has opened doors for me to share what I've learned about burn rehabilitation and how even the most remote hospital anywhere can actually have a program Mm. with some education and training. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. And to help our guests understand a little bit like what that actually looks like, could you describe kind of what a typical treatment for, you know, a significant burn patient with significant burns? How does that actually, what's that look like? Well, what happens is they generally come into the hospital. They've first been burned that that whole process of skin grafting and survival usually, you know, will take place over a several months. For me, it was about one month before I had skin grafts and ready to go home. But I would say one to two months, probably in the perfect situation. But then once the skin graft has been completed, then the skin has to heal. And our skin does not just normally heal flat. The skin naturally just wants to the fibers to just get out of sort. Mm -hmm. And so it involves a lot of physical therapy of stretching. The skin gets super tight and without some intervention, Mm -hmm. people can be left with a lot of debilitating contractures. For example, their neck may be permanently attached or, you know, permanently Mm -hmm. attached here, their elbow, their arm, just from lack of movement. Right. So just movement, physical therapy doesn't have to be bells and whistles. You're moving against where it's pulling tight. Right. Um, pressure garments. We use a lycra spandex blend fabric and we make a really tight fitting garment that's almost like replacing your skin because your skin is sick. Mm -hmm. So we cover it with a really tight garment and that along with physical therapy, creams, keeping it clean, massage, keeping the scar to lay as flat as possible because the healing process is going to take a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Now it gets better and better. It usually gets worse and worse for about six months and then it begins to heal, Mm -hmm. but it's still a long-term process while blood is still in that scar and the scar is still active. You know, we see some crazy things in the U S most people never see anything like that because we have good quality care available. But when you get outside of hospital that's going to offer that, you can see some horrible end results that were so preventable by just the process of healing well. So that's what we do is education and training of how to rehabilitate a burn patient so that they get their movement back, their skin is as flat as possible, and the scarring is as minimal as possible. You know, it is skin. You cannot make a huge scar perfect, but there's a lot that you can do. The skin regenerates itself, and there's a lot that you can do to improve the look of a scar as well. So, you know, it's a long process, but really it's mostly hard work. Effort and hard work is the key. A little bit of money, some fabric, Mm -hmm. but 
you could do it without the pressure garments. It's kind of like the luxury of the burn healing. You could wrap with these bandages just to get the same tightness or, you know, to lay the skin flat, but it's just nice to have the material, Mm -hmm. but could do without it. But the physical therapy of stretching Mm -hmm. that's free. It's just knowing what to do. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. Now you mentioned having a a clinic in Bolivia. Is that like a physical place that's uh, serving people with, with the needs in this area? Yes, that is a outpatient clinic. Patients that have been released from the hospital, then they start their rehab in Bolivia. There's a full-time physical therapy department. And then we have our full-time pressure garment shop. It's mm-hmm. about two blocks away from the public hospital. And so the patients will go to their physical therapy, and then they'll walk down and come to us for their pressure garment fittings. In the beginning, they'll come every day just to make right. sure it's fitting right we work mostly with children and so just training the mothers how to get the garments on properly for it to fit does it fit properly putting something on a six-month-old baby and knowing okay does it fit how do you get it on the kids are screaming the mother's crying it's not like you know band-aid it works and really the beautiful thing about it is that it does take a long time And so there's always a new mother, but there's always a seasoned mother. Mm -hmm. And the seasoned mothers are great because they have witnessed that it worked. They will help the new mothers. They'll walk with them to the pressure garment to see us. They'll call them, give out their phone numbers. We have a WhatsApp group where they can ask questions. It's a long process, but I believe that everyone kind of becomes like a family. You see each other almost every single day. So it's good. It's hard. There's nothing easy about it when your child's been seriously burned. There's a lot of heartache, but they're not alone. And there's other mothers in the same boat. And they really do reach out to each other and encourage each other and chastise each other when they don't show up. And right. they're, don't mess with the mama bear, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Even through there, yeah. those others, goodness, they could run the burn clinic if if we wanted them to. I guess that's the other question I had is, how are you staffing it? Yeah, we have two seamstresses that work full time in ours. One of them, Maria, she's been with me now for 23 years. And then the other girl, Sandra, she's the daughter of Juana, who was with me for 23 years, she's just retired. Oh. So yeah, Sandra is younger and I'm excited about that. I've known her her whole life and she's an excellent seamstress. And she also understands the internet and the computer. And that's something we haven't had in a while because all of us older ones, it's hard <laughs> for us to understand how it all works. So it's been nice for Sander to be involved because she, like she can actually send me pictures over the phone and things like yeah, that, which yeah. <laughs> have been difficult in the past. Right. Yeah. Great. It, yep. It's been good, mm-hmm. really good in that respect. And then, you know, when the patients come, even though we don't specifically do their physical therapy, we do a lot of counseling on that because I'm a big believer in do your therapy at home. Don't just come one time every day for your 30 minute therapy. It should be movement all day long. And so we have pamphlets for the parents to say, you know, if their knees are burned, get a tricycle, your fingers are burned, get a squeeze ball, just things like that to teach the parents that it's going to be a couple of years. And if you work hard, you're going to have a good end result, but you're going to have to work hard. 
Right. That kind of makes me think as you're explaining it, how God made our bodies in amazing ways to heal so quickly and uh, so remarkably. And yet, as I hear this about burns, it's it's clear that, yeah, it'll heal. But if you really want it to be something as close to how it was prior, it actually takes a lot of work and uh, intentionality. It's not just going to by itself come back to yeah. be supple skin and full motion and all that. So that's, yeah, kind of fascinating for me to think that through a little bit. And there's been a lot of learning process over the years where people that were burned, seriously burned, even 50 years ago, had a completely different end result. I've heard stories where like if you were burned, they dipped you in hot wax so that you had like a cast on. And then the next day they crack the cast, wash you up and then dip you again so that, you know, don't bend your knee too much or keep your fingers straight. Just a lot of things that now we've learned where we can use splinting and positioning and sleeping without a pillow if your neck is burned. Just a lot of simple things that God gives us the ability for our bodies to heal, but also the intellectual blessing of being able to help just with ideas and coming alongside people to stay with them over a long period of time. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And now, of course, you know, as you mentioned, you're involved in a multitude of countries now, kind of advising and helping them see how best they can serve people. So I presume that means you're not necessarily on the ground in Bolivia these days, maybe as much as as you used to be. Yeah, no, I mostly just visit a couple of times a year. And honestly, they do so well in Bolivia, they don't need me. They could do it without (laughs) me, which is, you know, you want to work yourself out of a job. That's a good thing. They're excellent at what they do. And mostly I just travel. I spent the last couple of months in Ethiopia working there. There's a children's burn hospital in the Korean hospital with a surgeon, Dr. Einar Erickson from Norway, fabulous doctor. And he has a unit there for burns. And we do the rehab part with the pressure garments. Wick was working there in the city on a building project and So I was able to spend two months in the hospital there, and that was great. And then in two weeks, I'll be in Egypt with Operation Smile. They have a fabulous program they're trying to develop with burns. And so I'm trying to help them with the rehab side of that. You know, Operation Smile primarily does cleft lip and cleft palate. And so they're loaded with a lot of plastic surgeons already. So burns is a new area for them. A lot of their surgeons have never done burns, but they've done, you know, a lot of plastic surgery. So we have all the necessary pieces. So we're just trying to set up a good program and educate on the rehab part, which is for most people, the part nobody understands about burns is the rehab part. I didn't know. I mean, yeah, I have like. That's actually as important as, you know, the initial trauma treatment. Yeah, they go hand in hand because Mm -hmm. the horrific burn, if you're just left a vegetable to lay in your bed because you can't walk anymore, you didn't really get your life back, Mm -hmm. you know? Wow. No, that's uh, fascinating. And it's the same thing I'm remembering from the first time kind of hearing the story and just like a whole ministry, if you will, that, you know, just most people have no clue or no idea about. So I'm super excited for, yeah, my audience uh, to hear this story and uh, how you're using your own personal experience to bless others. And that's wonderful. 
Yeah, you know, there's over a million burns every year, even just in Africa alone. And not every African country even has one dedicated hospital that can take care of burns. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that needs to be improved upon. Operation Smile is doing a good job with that, of trying to have the vision of improving burn care. Dr. Erickson that I work with from Norway, he is the most passionate person about training plastic surgeons how to properly treat burn patients. So there's hope for the statistics to change, but there's a lot of work involved for it to happen. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a great insight. So I appreciate that. Thank you. So I'm going to pause our conversation here at this point today, and I hope you'll tune back in next week to get the rest of my chat with Cindy. It's just been an amazing story of hearing how something that humanly we would say was a horrific experience And God's used that to allow her to minister to so many over these past years and really make a practical difference in the lives of those who are patients of significant burns. So tune back in then. And until then, God bless you. Find us online at missionchats.com.